Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Sunday, November 1st. Clemson's 8-0. We did not succumb to any ACC refs this weekend, and it's FSU game week, and life is good. Guys, uh, before we get started today, this is our NC State recap episode. Wanted to take a minute to plug ClemsonPodcast.com. That's our website. Please give it a visit. We're also available on Twitter and Facebook, uh, at Clemson Podcast on Twitter, and just Clemson Podcast on Facebook as well. Encourage you to give us a follow or a like on either of those social media platforms. Um, We started ramping up some of our posting, I guess, during the games as well. Uh, So feel free to give us a follow if you'd like to keep track and follow along with um, other Clemson um, accounts and folks following the games. Uh, One other quick request, um, we would appreciate if everyone who listens would be willing to go to iTunes and leave us a quick review. You don't necessarily need to listen in iTunes or on the iPhone podcast app, but every every kind of review and star rating that we get on iTunes um, helps us out greatly, so we do appreciate that. And uh, feel free to tell a friend, tell all your, your Clemson, Clemson fans um, that you hang out with uh, that the podcast is worth a listen. We appreciate that. So guys, let's rewind this game. Um, Clemson took care of business, I think. We, we won 56-41. Um, probably wasn't our prettiest win of the year, but it was one in which there were a lot of highlights for the Tigers. Probably some lowlights, some cringeworthy moments. But uh, overall, I think... We're happy to get out of Raleigh with a win. Um, happy to get a road ACC win against a very difficult opponent. Uh, they may not be the toughest opponent we'll face all year. In fact, they, they will not be, but um, NC State always plays us tough, and um, I was happy to see us get out of, out of there with a win. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Even though you know, coming off of probably, or definitely, I think, our best uh, all-around performance of the year, then we come to a game like this, and you know, at least on the defensive side of the ball and special teams, the worst games that we played all year in a lot of those areas. The offense was really good, but yeah, this was just a really weird game to watch. Um, I, again, like I, I think um, when we played Louisville, I felt we had the game in control the whole time. I was never really worried about losing, um, but I would like, I mean, we, we can't continue to play like this, especially on defense and special teams, and expect to make a national championship run. Like things are going to have to get better. Yeah, and I mean, there was one time, I think it was 20-19, to 19, where they took the lead in the second half, and I was like, oh my gosh, we're, we're, we might lose to a team that I really believe was... Second quarter, but yeah. Se- oh yeah, I'm sorry, second quarter, but a team that's you know really inferior to us. Um, so it, it was, it was kind of like, oh man, it's Halloween, just a weird opening quarter, or really opening half. I was like, what, what is going on? And luckily we got it together. But yeah, you're right, Ben defense special teams got to got to prove a few things and a lot of it could have just been maybe we're tired maybe we weren't we weren't up for the game maybe just that, that kind of midpoint yeah. of the season where you're just you're maybe you're mentally exhausted well, i don't know what it, what it was well but. people called it a trap game and it, it really did look like a lot of the guys had a lack of focus and you're coming off such a big win against miami i didn't expect that out of this team because i've just seen them be focused all year long but you know cody you mentioned this at one point in the game uh, late in the game yesterday it's like this, this was like watching big 12 football <laughs> and 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 honestly, that kind of sucks. Like I, I don't like that brand of football. I don't like where there's no defense. I love when we're scoring, you know, fifty-eight to nothing. Like yeah, that's fantastic. Fifty-six, forty-one. I don't like that. Fair enough. Yeah. If you look at, <clears throat> I mean, there was a game happening at the same time as us: Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. And for a while, like that game got out to. I mean, it was a it was a barn burner from the start. Ours was pacing along a little slower, but we ke- seem to be keeping pace with the, the total score of that game. 
it ended up around 120 or something like that on the total. But uh, ours wasn't nearly as crazy. But I agree. Um, seemed like we were in Big 12 mode. But I, I feel like, you know, for me, the motion of watching that game um, isn't now that I've had some time to kind of cool off from that and let the stress subside a little after we got the victory. Like um, some of the some of the stuff we saw and some of the stuff that was like infuriate, infuriating while we watched the game, you know, maybe it's something that in the moment it looks worse than it really is actually. I mean, I think just to, to touch on, was, was this a letdown for us? I think what we're going to see from now on this season and potentially going forward, we have a huge target on our back and we are going to get these teams best game. We did not get Miami's best game. Apparently um, they saved some, some in the tank for Duke, but um you know, I think for an NC State, for a pretty well-coached team with a lot of talent, uh, we are they're going to treat it like their BCS championship or their Super Bowl. Um, and it it's sort of okay once in a while to have this type of, um, you got to win this, this game in a different way than having like a dominant defensive performance. You know, it's it was bound to happen. We were bound to basically have a game where the defense wasn't keeping teams to like 10, 17 points. Um, fortunately, we did have the offense to back that up and to see us through to a victory. Yeah, but it, it's not because their offense was just so talented that our, they were giving our defense fits. I mean, Miami has a really talented offense, too. They have a really good quarterback and good skill position players, and they put up a goose egg against us. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe Miami was looking ahead to Duke. Um, <laughs> maybe Clemson was their trap game. Um, but, I mean, the, the good that we can take out of it is that the offense looked phenomenal, and they were really hitting on all cylinders, and they've been doing that for several games in a row now. So that's really exciting and encouraging to see because I don't expect to see our defense play this bad again, but if our offense keeps clicking, like, we're a scary, scary good team. Yeah, and about that one second uh, on the defense is that we can't, I think Kraken or Quacking Tiger said it, that we can't, we can't just line up and like autopilot and, and expect to beat teams. And that even, that includes at Syracuse. And then obviously when we go to into Columbia and play the Gamecocks, like we can't just assume because we are you know, a lot better than them. We can't just assume we can go in and not take the game seriously. Granted, we're going to be, we're, we're going to be uh, motivated going into Columbia, but you know, a game like Syracuse, you got to, you got, your mind's got to be in the right place. Coaches got to do their part, and I think that's something we've seen, you know, on a broader level with Dabo, just having every game going in, not having that let down. So, yeah, and and more and more is on the line every week now. So uh, there should be no excuses of not being able to be pumped for a game. You know, we're number three in the country, um, and like you said, Tully, we have a target on our backs. Um, so with every game we play, the the stakes are raised. If we go in and beat Florida State next week, then we are in the ACC championship game. So, and then after that, we have Wake Forest or uh, Syracuse Wake Forest, South Carolina for a run at the national uh, for the playoffs, at least. So, these games mean something. They are not, you know, nothing games. Like, every game has meaning. Our perception um, and how we beat these teams means a lot. I think we're very fortunate this week that most of the other top 10 teams, top five teams around us, uh, were on a bye week. Um, because we weren't really having to, to, to face up to, you know, apples to apples comparison of how, versus how we did versus how they, they did against their opponent. Um, so we're lucky that that happened to stay at number three. Uh, if you just look at it from an offensive game point, we were absolutely dominant. And again, that's very encouraging. Yeah, and I think if we're going to have a, a letdown, let's say, on the defensive end or not play our best ball and maybe have a l- little bit of a lack of focus, call it a uh, a letdown after Miami and a, a look ahead spot. 
against Florida State, I, I I made this comment to Cody during the game. You know, this team really hasn't known the taste of its own blood to this point, and we are going to have sort of a stinker, if you will, on one side of the ball. Much better to have that happen where you can still coach around it or go in and try to correct that. I'd rather have that happen this week than like in the first half against Florida State. Yeah, and then we're you know we've got Dalvin Cook and Eric Golson or potentially Sean McGuire firing, and then we're down two two touchdowns or 17 points going into halftime. Um, there's still time to kind of improve on this. I think one of you guys brought up, like, you know, was this an outlier performance for our team, or did NC State expose something about this defense that is a template for other teams to beat us? And I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Like, do you think this was a template um, for how you would game plan as an OC coming in next week? Well, I think Brissett provides an element that other teams can't provide, aside from maybe Ohio State. He's got, you know, he's really good in the pocket. He's big and strong. He's the size of a, you know, a linebacker, if not bigger. So we had trouble bringing him down. And other quarterbacks just aren't gonna, they're gonna go down a little bit quicker. Um, and also, he was really fleet of foot, and that that opened up a few other few other plays. Um, but also, you know, I think the area where it did kind of expose us a little bit is our linebackers. We've we've worried about it all year. It hasn't really been a problem against the teams that we played, but. You know they've got to be hyper focused and knowing what they got to do and their responsibilities because Ben Bulware and he's had a little bit of a letdown this game. He's been great all year, but he's not athletic enough in, in coverage to make these mistakes. That margin for error is very small. So is it a template? You, you're going to have to execute at a very high level uh, to beat our to beat our defense. But NC State was for the most part able to do that. Yeah, I mean I tend to think this was still more of an outlier. Um, Again, just to look to a lack of focus overall on the defense. Uh, I will agree with you. I think if there was anywhere that we were exposed, it was uh, Ben Boyer's weaknesses, especially in coverage. Um, but let's make no mistakes about this. NC State brought the fight to us, and you know, much respect to them. They did not lay down. They, they came out thinking that they could win this game, which is completely opposite of what we saw out of uh, Miami Hurricanes down in, uh, down in Florida. So, or Tech or BC. Yeah, exactly. So this this team did not lay down. They they brought the fight to us, and you got to respect it for that because this was not an easy win. I guess in terms of defensive performances that we could, you know, take a take a silver lining away from this. Uh, was there anything that you guys saw from any of the position groups or any of the individual efforts that stood out as, yeah, that guy was doing his job. Like Brent Venables can, um, you know maybe not come down as hard on, on that group or that, that player. I think maybe the cornerbacks. Yeah, they, no, they absolutely. They were physical. Um, Tankers League continues to get better and impress. He's not McKenzie Alexander, but we have, we'll say we have two. But who really is? Good, yeah, who is, yeah, who is McKenzie Alexander? We, we know opposite of him. We have a really good cornerback. Um, so I would say that's about it. The safeties looked a little bit lost. They, that may be one of their weaknesses um, is, is their coverage skills as well. And they've been physical all year. This is a game that kind of showed that or exposed that a little bit. I think they have the potential to get better. The athleticism is there. They just, again, it, it comes down to a little bit of focus and a little bit of motivation going into the game where, again, I think the players were just not as, as amped up. Yeah, and I think it's important that we continue to see development from that group because coming in this weekend is going to be Florida State's receiving core, which I'd put them right on par with Notre Dame's in terms of talent and athleticism. Will Fuller may be better than... I think it's Kermit Whitfield is um, Florida State's kind of WR1, if you will. Uh, but they have some decent depth there of talent that is going to test our guys. And seeing Tankersley come along, seeing Mac continue to 
do his thing. Um, it's just important for us to keep keep track. Um, hopefully, that is something where we won't see Bullwares sort of. He's not a able to to slot in as kind of a coverage linebacker. Um, yeah, hopefully that's not going to expose us. And the other element of that is, or the other side of that is a pass rush. We've we've worried, we've wondered about that. Quacking Tiger said that's the one thing that he's wanting to see a little bit more of. We weren't able to generate a pass rush, and we, when we did generate a pass rush, we couldn't take Brissett down. We did have several sacks, though. When you when you look at the box score of this game, but there were an awful lot of times where we got back there, and you're right, we just didn't get him to the ground. Um, I think it's more so we're not seeing a big pass rush out of our, our front four um, when they're just on their own. Uh, they're just not getting the push. The The tackles weren't really um, as involved um, in this game. We didn't see them uh, disrupting the flow on the uh, passing game or their uh, rushing game. Uh, so, But we did get into the backfield several times. We did miss some opportunities and let Brissett get away, but that's just the type of quarterback that he is. And I think Florida State has turned over their – this isn't necessarily our preview of that matchup, but they have turned over a number of guys on their O-line, which I we'd have to look at NC State's depth and sort of experience levels, but um, we were getting into that backfield. I think against the likes of Golson or McGuire, um, chances are they're less athletic or less strong, if you will, than, than Brissett. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, we'll obviously preview the FSU game, but that, being at home too, that provides like maybe an extra half step for a defensive lineman. I mean, I hate that it's like that, but yeah. you do get a little bit more amped up when you got eighty five thousand, you know, cheering. So hopefully that'll help. But I would say just in general, one of the the biggest points of strength on our defense has been our interior line being very disruptive, like you said, Ben, disrupting that uh, the, the rushing game, and we weren't able to do that. And that might be a little bit of the, the linebackers not hitting the gaps. Or, or bad reads on their part, but I, I felt like we would. That's where we really had an advantage, and I didn't see that. Well, and, and here's why this is concerning. You know, NC State's O line is they're not world beaters, right? They're they're not you know one of the best in the conference. Even um, they played for the most part kind of poorly this year. They allowed 17 sacks coming in into our game, and then how many uh, um, the others that they allowed during our game. Um, but then also, you know, Days, their running back, has had some good um, games this year, but he's been limited for the most part against good competition. So the fact that he was able to actually put together a decent game, he averaged eight yards a carry um, against us, and then the fact that our four-man front really couldn't develop you know, much of a pass rush against NC State's offensive line. I mean, I'm not overall concerned about our defensive line moving forward. I think they're really, really good, and we have a lot of really talented guys. But it's concerning that in a game like this, you know, where you're worried about it being a trap game and you're hoping that, that, to see this team be focused and kind of, uh, you know, ease all those concerns, for it not to happen, I am a little bit concerned. Yeah, and it, I'm just looking over here, some of the points that we were talking about in the defense, like what were we looking for in this game? Almost all of those were areas that we, we underperformed or disappointed. Um, you know, did we see another dominating performance? I don't think letting up. I think the defense was responsible for uh, 34 points of this. We'll talk about special teams in a moment. But allowing 34 when we were averaging in the teens wasn't necessarily a great performance. Um, interior D-line stuffing the run didn't really happen. Uh, setting the edge from our end positions as well wasn't wasn't really there. Kevin Dodd, he was certainly all over the all over the map. I think he was somewhat disruptive. He was the guy that... Certainly Shaq was trying to get a few sacks there on Brissett, but I felt like Dodd was was all over the place um, in a good way. But we really could not establish a pass rush. 
without a blitz or without bringing you know additional pressure which um ultimately led to more plays downfield happening so um i think just generally like the front probably didn't have their best game of the year yeah and, it, and i read it in one of the in an article in tiger illustrated about it might not it might be all of the snaps that have been accumulated by these starters without that depth which is starting maybe to wear down uh, these frontline guys, as well as the, the linebackers who have played more reps than anybody else on the team. Um, it could be a thing where we, you know, we have Syracuse coming up. It would be nice for that game, maybe the Wake Forest game, to allow these guys some rest. Because that bye week was in the third week of the season. We really could have used that around the midway point for those guys to get some, get some rest. Yeah, and really looking at the stats, it was actually our, our linebackers actually really did have some good days. I know Ben Bullweir did miss some things in coverage, but uh, between him and Goodson combined, they had 20 tackles and, and two sacks and five tackles for losses. Um, that's a pretty good game out of that duo, and then you uh, throw in a sack and a tackle for loss from Travis Blanks too. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of improvement to be had, and I think there's a lot more opportunities in this game given that NC State maybe had the ball a lot more on offense than yeah. we usually see out of uh, – teams were playing against there wasn't a lot of three and outs it seemed like which is uh, what our defense has been really good at generating this year um so yeah uh the exposure in the linebacker was uh linebacker crew was obviously on bull where he in coverage he did not look good at all and i think moving forward when we take a look at how teams are going to be able to dissect us and prey on our weaknesses the same way that we prey on theirs when we're on offense that's one area of concern um but i think Venables has proven and shown uh, throughout his tenure at Clemson and throughout the course of this year that he's very creative and he's able to uh, come up with schemes to kind of mask some of our weaknesses. And I just see this as a as a learning moment to move forward from, and I would expect him to do the same with this. Yeah, well, I hope I hope we learn quick. And I, 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 I agree with you. I think for the most part, this was an outlier. But Dalvin Cook, man, he can make quick work of you. If, if, we're, if we're missing gaps... If we're not as disruptive up front, he gets past you know the line of scrimmage. He gets to that second level. Man, it's going to be hard running him down. So um, we we need to correct a few things. But like you said, we got some good film to draw some uh, some some good you know. He can take this Brent Venables can take this to the players and say, hey, here's some areas of improvement where otherwise we didn't have that up up until this point. And I never worry. Yeah. And I never worry about Bullwear being motivated. So I think he could just take this and just get more pissed off. And, and really turn it into something positive. I think he'll be licking his chops to get back on the field and play next week. Yeah, and I, I almost feel like in some of the instances where NC State had a long run, um, you saw J. Ron Curse sort of be, I don't want to call him out of position, but he might have been cheating up toward the line t- because the edge wasn't getting set by, by our ends. So he was coming up to try and, you know, mass, max protect on a certain side. And, um, you know, if the ball went the other way, he had sort of, some line guys and some linebackers in his way from we all know what he's capable of doing with his like LeBron like speed to track somebody down so we'll see if you know to keep track or or bottle up Dalvin Cook if he's going to be able to hang back and you know maybe we give up more like eight yard runs but not the 20 to longer than that you know stretch yeah I mean that's the danger with Dalvin Cook is those those long runs so exactly uh, so any any last thoughts on defense? I guess we'll we'll take our lumps on that one. Clearly wasn't our, our best, but um, you know encouraging signs from the secondary didn't really get burnt deep or long on the, in this game, and we're going to need them to hold the fort against FSU. Um, and then we hopefully contain Dalvin Cook as well. Yeah, this game doesn't do anything to change my perception of of how good our I think our defense is. I still think they're really an elite group. 
and I expect to see I, I don't expect to see a performance out of them like this for the rest of the season and if we do I think that's really going to cause us some trouble because at this point looking at our schedule that's only going to happen in more high profile games where we're playing more quality opponents and that starts next week with FSU so we'll really be able to tell if this was an outlier uh, depending on the outcome of the game next week. Yeah, I, I agree. And then I'll just say this reminds us that this defense is human. Our players are human. They're susceptible to having down games. The energy is not always going to be as high. Um, but also it, it lets, I think it, it probably put, lets us know that this defense probably isn't as good as it was last year, which is fine. We can still be a championship level you know, team. But I, I, won't, I think you saw kind of the gaps from, uh, from what we had last year with a lot of depth and a lot of athleticism at the linebacker position. But aside from that, still probably a top five defense, which I'm not complaining. Yeah, and with the uh, the strides uh, that our offense has made this year being so much better than last year, you combine that with a top five defense that's not as good as they were last year. That's still you know you're still set up for a pretty good run. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen in the last two to three weeks offense really pick pick up its level of intensity and what they're bringing to the table with this team. And um, you know, yeah, maybe we do get. A defense that regresses to the mean a little bit of what they're capable of but if you have a team that's scoring 59 points 56 points probably should have been more if we're hitting our extra points um you know that would have been two 59 point performances in a row uh, from this team would be pretty great so let's let's quickly hit on special teams i mean i think we gave up our first special teams touchdown of the season hopefully our last uh we weren't necessarily doing too much on our side either with kick return and punt return um we had a couple of blocked pats so overall i would say this is one of the worst performances we've we've seen from a unit that all year we've been talking about this being a liability for our team um you guys said it like if we seek to advance to the playoff to win the acc and to have a chance in the playoff you know you can't be letting teams rip off runs putting points on the scoreboard really taking all the momentum back um, in these games. Well, I'm glad we're uh, saving the good for last and talking about special teams here before we do the offense uh, because this was this was just brutal um, all across the board. Um, you know, Lakeup, his first kick went into the end zone, but after that he maybe had one more, but then we gave up that big return, which we've had trouble with that early on this year, and, you know, we, we saw its rear its ugly head again in this game. And then aside for that, uh, Hugo with his two missed extra points, um, after missing one uh, last week against Miami, I guess were both of them blocked. Uh, that is both of them, I think both of them were blocked. Yeah, it looked like it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he's been great on his field goals. It's just this extra point thing. I mean, again, you need to be clicking on all cylinders. You can't afford these stupid errors um, if you really want to be an elite program and play with the best of the best because that's going to come back to haunt you. We're not going to blow every team out by twenty plus points. Like there are going to be close games um, as we start to you know play FSU. Uh, ACC championship game, and then possibly the college football playoff. Um, so we, we really need to get these things tidied up. Yeah, not to be negative here. There's so much to be positive about this year, but the special teams, this has got to be corrected. The, the coaches, the coaching has gotten so much better under, under Dabo, hiring you know guys like Venables, Chad Morris, so on and so forth. And it's like we've tightened everything up on just about every level. Even look at like the offensive line. that We've seen improvement there. 
with the level of recruiting that we're at, and you know all these guys that are that are coming through the down, are coming down the pike, why can't we have a little bit of improvement on kickoff return, on punt returns? Why why is this happening? I mean, it's it's got to get better. It's it's almost like you know we're wearing a, a nice Armani suit and we have like toilet paper stuck to our to our foot. It's like the att- <laughs> attention to detail. We we got to improve there. I mean, but we'll see. This will be a, a good gauge of how good is our coaching staff on a week to week basis because. It's it, it, this comes down to nothing more than coaching. We're talking about special teams. So if can this be cleaned up and can it be cleaned up quickly? So that that'll say a lot with you know just the level of coaching. Yeah, I thought you were going to mention we were wearing some Spaldings for shoes or something like that, but a good one with the toilet paper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, in the punting game, let's talk about that. I mean, Teasdale for the most part has been pretty decent this year, but these little less than forty yard kicks and these little pooch punts and I don't know what the hell was going on with that yesterday, but. Across the board, it was it was just bad, and we're playing this field position game, and for some reason, every punter, the opposing team's punter we run into this year just booms the ball 50 yards with every single kick. Um, so again, this is this is going to be an issue. We need to win the field position uh, battle, and it starts uh, with our special teams, with punting and kick coverage. Yeah, I'd, I'd hate to lose a game, and we will if we're in a, in a playoff and a very high level game. Stakes are high. We'll lose a game if this if this continues. Yeah, I think so too. And it seems like there's been the way the coaching breaks down. There are different coaches responsible for different levels of the special teams unit on a on coverage or on a return, and um, more so for coverage. And it seems like once I don't know, it doesn't seem like they're a cohesive unit. They're playing as a full team. Like once you get past like the initial guys, like getting down there to gun the ball then you're into that second level. And that's kind of like, not my responsibility. You're past my level. Like, that's the next guy. And, like, it seems like, I don't know, they, they don't seem to be playing as a unit and understanding if there is a breakdown ahead of you, like, how do you adjust to that? And how do you um, get back into lanes? or Which is weird because lanes? we have a lot of talent. Um, I, I think maybe that's where our lack of depth on the defensive side of the ball, where a lot of these guys, second and third stringers, would be playing on special teams. I think that lack of depth is starting to show itself there. Um, would you shift and maybe put some of these guys more in harm's way? Would you shift some starters on either side of the ball into that position, getting more Jaron on curse? I think that's guys? hard to say, but once you get to the point where, like, all right, we're playing Florida State next week, um, or if we like, you know, if there's a punt that we just or a kick that we just have to contain and have to win a field position well, then you're, of the game. Yeah, but I don't know. You can just throw guys in there. Like they need yeah. to practice the position, know what they're doing. Um, but whatever it is, I think they need to make that decision now going into Florida State because then if we run off three uh, wins after that to finish the season undefeated, then we're going to have ACC championship game, win that uh, college football playoff game and a possible, possible national title game. And those are going to be against really good opponents. So we need to put our best on the field uh, to give us a chance and not like, you know, we can't, we can't have these mistakes and just give up points and give up field position. I mean, absolutely. I feel like this coming week is our – we need to treat it like that's our Super Bowl, if you will, because it is. I mean, to achieve any of those things you talked about after, we have to beat Florida State, and it's not win at all costs for this game and like make changes. I mean, I, I could I could agree with changes needing to be made on special teams and bringing guys in, but are you then taking them out of practice cycles to get better at their main core job? Like that's that's a decision. That that, that might be you know what you lose by doing that, but also I don't I don't know that we're. They, they maybe during practice they don't practice the kickoff as much. I, I don't know. I mean, because of the risk of injury just in general. Sure. 
I'm not sure. But oh, hey, here's a positive on the kickoff return on, on special teams. We have Ray Ray McLeod in there now, which he, he almost fumbled yesterday. But the guy, you can just tell. I mean, he, he's so shifty. If he Every time he gets the ball, it's like if he can just make that first guy miss, he might be taken to the house. And yeah. you leave him in there long enough, he's going to have a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, and I think he's totally worth putting back there for kick returns. Um, interesting to, to note, uh, Hunter Renfro took the punt returns uh, in yesterday's game, uh, had a whopping four returns for zero yards. Um, so, but again, fair I mean, catch you. Uh, fair catch you is better than negative loss you or, you know, potentially... <laughs> They'll, they'll down the ball inside the five. So Right, and, and I totally get that. But then I look at their, the punting stats from our punters, and their punter averaged 17 more yards a punt against us. And you start to combine all these different things uh, yeah. between our punt returns, our actual punting, and our kick coverage. I mean, there's a lot of field possession, uh, field position yards given up there, and we just can't continue to do that. If one part of this game is weak, okay, fine, maybe we can cover that up. But when they're all going bad, that'll cost you a game. Let's hope not. Um, guys, enough of the doom and gloom. Let's move on to the highlights of this game. Um, our offensive play, really from the, from the gun, looked great. Uh, to put up that many points and when things are going a little haywire in the other two phases, you know, it was a complete shot in the arm for this team. And um, it really, for me, began and ended with Deshaun Watson's play. Uh, I think for the second week in a row, you saw Heisman caliber output from Deshaun. Um, he, what was it? Um, how many Tigers caught touchdown passes in this game? I think it's four. Uh, five. Five. Yep. So spreading the ball out, utilizing his weapons. I mean, he hit, he hit Ray Ray McLeod, a running back, on a deep ball. He hit, we had three freshmen catch touchdowns. There was the um, post route from uh, Hunter Renfro, and then Deion Kane got his first touchdown as a Tiger. Great to see that as well. So, uh, first touchdown pass. So, yeah, Deshaun was moving the ball around, making plays with his feet. Um, he scored our first touchdown on a on a um, scramble, effectively. And you know, if you wanted to criticize some aspects of his game, you're, you're going to be looking around pretty hard for that. But I, for one, seem to see a lot of either by design or by his own decision, a lot of running from Deshaun, especially in the red zone. That you know, I, I would like to see why can't we try to get that ball to leg it or try to get a screen pass going. Yeah, some of those play calls were, you know, left me scratching my head a little bit. Of like, especially we'd run them like twice in a row mm-hmm. down there. I don't know if some of those are his calls and his checks. Um, but yeah, but other than that, I mean, across the board, he looked fantastic all day. I mean, almost 400 yards passing, five touchdowns, no interceptions. One of the things we've been looking for is uh, does he become more precise on those deep balls? And boy, we saw it yesterday. I mean, that one to Sharon Peak um, to close out the uh, the second quarter right before the half. I know some people say pushed off. I don't really think so. Seemed like more of a tap to me, but uh, it was Rod Gardner esque from back in the day. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I'll take it. Um, but other than that, he had some really other uh, good balls, and you're I, I think you're really starting to see him shake the rust off. And we talked about this kind of getting off to a slow start of the season. He is really starting to step into what we know he can be. And we talked about this in our preview episode. Is Deshaun Watson really a Heisman contender at this point? We didn't think so because his numbers didn't stack up. But Telly, you mentioned it, who we have left on our schedule and what he might be able to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And it started uh, last week with Miami. uh, And then I think was the over 400 yards he had against BC, uh, passing at 420 yards, and then 383 again 
today. I mean, those are some gaudy numbers. And if he can eliminate some of those interceptions and keep being able to find our big playmakers, yeah, he's going to put up some numbers for the rest of the year. And he could eke his way into that top five going to New York. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great that we can even think about him getting into the conversation, you know, considering he, how, I guess, average he was during the first three or four games. He looks he looks so great. I, mean, I think, like you said, shaking off the rust, finding that uh, that chemistry with the receivers, which we kind of just take it for granted and assume that you can plug in anyone and, you know, your timing, your routes will always be there. But, you know, losing Mike Williams, was, it was big. I mean, he's not only, uh, you know, his favorite target, but he's also the, one of the best receivers in college football. So, and then you're plugging in true freshmen that he's, he hasn't really, doesn't have the reps with, but we're finally see it, seeing it come together. Um, obviously, Deion Kane looks good. Ray Ray McLeod is going to be an asset all over the field. And then Hunter Renfro, dude, that guy, you know, first it was kind of like a, a good story. Now it's like, wow, we have a, a really good possession or we'll just say receiver. We won't even categorize him in. Uh, he's got three more years of eligibility left, and I'm glad he's on our team. Yeah, I'm glad you finally come around and jumped on the, the, the bandwagon, I guess, uh, so to speak, with the rest of us on that one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's he's really stepping in and playing fantastic. Um, we talked about a little bit going into this game. We were looking for, are we going to see a more balanced attack? Um, whereas in the Miami, or I guess in the BC game, we really threw the ball. Miami game, we ran the ball. Um, uh, this one, yeah, across the board, and 383 yards passing for Watson. And as a team, 240 yards rushing and you, you talk about Heisman stats Wayne Gallman uh, 172 yards rushing what a huge game I mean we did run 80 plays and that's sort of a little south of the Chad Morris template of trying to get to, into the 90s but 80 is solid for this game but we were 30 pass 50 rush so in terms of balance I think we were fairly run heavy but to score 56 points on a run heavy day only putting up 240 yards rushing I think that's that's great. And again, Gallman, like you mentioned, 172 yards. Um, NC State was susceptible to the run. We mentioned that in the preview. And it was good to see um, both he and Deshaun Watson take advantage of that. 5.5 yards per carry. I mean, if we can, if you give me that against Florida State right now, I'll be take super it. happy. Yeah, Gallman has looked great. Uh, I think read it from Larry Williams and Tiger Illustrated. He's been, maybe Deshaun Watson's our most valuable player, but he's been our most outstanding player on offense up to this point in the season. And he look he looks great. He's getting yards where there's not yards to be, to be you know, attained. He's, he's finding gaps, or he's making gaps. He's, he's doing spin moves. He's really quick, at really quick feet. Uh, and then he's, he's getting yards after, he, after contact and, and, you know, extending two or three extra yards on each, each run, uh, which he did have his first fumble. But I, I mean, I think that's just kind of the. It's it's bound to happen. Okay, we'll take happen. we'll take one fumble at this point in the season out of your starting running back. Um, yeah, and the offensive line wasn't necessarily opening up huge holes yesterday. They played. They had it. They had a decent game. Uh, they played well. But uh, yeah, he really made a, a lot of stuff happen on his own. Um, Cody, we've talked about this before. I, I, you know, in my mind, uh, what what uh, Gallman means to this team and how valuable he is as the running back that has really stepped up for us this year, kind of filling in. Um, uh, you know, a piece of the puzzle we, we certainly missed last year until he started to come on. Um, I think his value to this team, I think if you go back to the recruiting process when uh, he was coming out of Grayson High School with Robert Kandichi, um and he was part of that package, I think, who was the other guy? Uh, Kamara, Alvin Kamara or something like that? Kamara and then Ryan yeah. Carter. And yeah. yeah. Um, I, at this point, I would take Gallman all day over Robert Kandichi just because of what he means to this team right now. I think I think it's uh, I mean it's just that we can ha just that we can even have this conversation says how good Wayne Gallman's been, 
um, because Kimdichi is a first round talent, maybe even the number, you know, number one pick. I, I, I still take Kimdichi. I think we could use that depth that uh, at, at defensive end, and we could use an, like another element of pass of, of a pass rusher. But Wayne he runs the ball too. What's that? He runs the ball too. He does he run. He the, used to. Yeah, I think he got knocked out the last yeah, time he, he ran the ball two games ago. But yeah, that's a good point. We could use him in that in that role. But I think ultimately you could be looking at another two years of Wayne Goldman, whereas Kimdichi is going to be really three injury plagued years. So I, I mean, it's a it's an interesting argument. But yeah, just I mean, credit to Wayne Goldman for improving yeah. and in, improving in a short time from this year to last year. So many facets of his, of his game have, have been have been raised. Yeah, I just to me, I think it's a no brainer just because of what he means to this offense and how he actually he makes us a dynamic offense. We we can throw the ball, we can run the ball because if he's out of there, who steps into his shoes to replace that? Zach Brooks has really come on and looked great, um, and he has a, a nice role and he, uh, he is certainly a good piece of the puzzle in this offense, but. Tyshawn Dye doesn't come in and do what Gallman does. Uh, you know, choice obviously think we're going to redshirt him this year, mm-hmm. um, and C.J. Davidson is obviously not going to do it. So, I mean, I think without Gallman, I think we'd be in trouble. In terms of what we were looking for in this game from the offense, there, this is, tells a different story from the defense. I think most of the accolades or most of the things we were hoping to see came tr- came through for us on uh, the offensive line. The offense overall, like I think the O line, I wouldn't say they dominated, but I think they they kept Deshaun upright. Uh, they bought him enough time to move the ball around the field, and we put up fifty six points. You're not doing that with a crappy O line performance. So, um, you know, definitely I would say like above average play from them. Elsewhere, like Mitch Hyatt, um, he did get beat a couple of times. I don't know if it was Mike Rose that necessarily um, exposed Mitch on the on those plays, but. By and large, I feel like he was involved on quite a few even downfield blocking plays again um, with some of the longer runs. So, you know, good on Mitch. I was pretty happy with this. Yeah, his and you know, if a true freshman offensive lineman gets beat a couple times, then I think I'm okay with that. Um, but, yeah, across the board, I mean, he, the kid's amazing. He knows what he's doing. His head's in the game. Um, and, again, getting downfield on those uh, on those blocks, he's been really good at that. Um the offensive line, we've not seen much to, to gripe about with them all season. They have uh, kind of gone above and beyond what our expectations were. And coming into the season, we thought that they would be one of the weaknesses that could cost us a loss or two this year. They've proven that not to be the case. Yeah, it's been uh, an area of strength. Uh, and, you know, I think you mentioned this during the game, Tell you're like, this, the way that this game shaped out was the way that we thought going into the season that how we would have to win games with the defense, you know, developing a lot of new players and probably giving up some points and our offense just winning winning those uh, those slugfests or whatever you want to call them, you know, putting up 50, 60 points if necessary. Well, that's what that game looked like yesterday. It, it's not the template that we've come to know and expect and enjoy from this team in the seven wins leading into this game. Like, I think we were joking at the beginning of the year, like, is this going to be a number of 40 to 30s wins? Uh, or in this case, 50s we score 50s they, they get into the 40s but um i don't yeah i think we'll return to normalcy the next few weeks from defensive side but let's hope our offense can keep the intensity to to be on pace through the game you know to get into the 40s and 50s points wise and, and yeah like that'll happen if we continue to get some of the performances like we do out of the skill positions i think zach brooks we've talked about it he's very much our kind of solid number two punch at running back um we are seeing the freshmen step up with Ray Ray, Ray McLeod. He's definitely getting more involved in the passing game. 
not just from a screenplay standpoint, but you know, he caught a caught a basically a long bomb from Deshaun this game for a touchdown. Deshaun, or I'm sorry, Deion Kane came back off of a one game. I don't know if we can call the entire game a suspension, but basically a disciplinary did not play uh, tag for the Miami game. He came in, scored his first touchdown. I think had um, not too many catches, but three three catches, but definitely solid game from him. And Sharon Peak continues to throw good blocks. Uh, in that, I thought one of the maybe two turning points of this game. Um, number one was Zach Brooks recovering a fumble, and on the next play he ran it for a touchdown. Yeah, huge momentum swing there. Second big momentum swing for the overall game. We were down heading into halftime, um, and Deshaun Watson, 15 seconds of game time, two plays that Sharon Peak touchdown. I mean, those were two very big turning points where we just continue to distance ourselves and ultimately. Those ended up being the difference. Well, to go into the half with a score like that, knowing you're also getting the ball back to start the second half. You can be risky. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. Well, but, but it was huge, though, for momentum swing. Um, yeah, Zach Brooks, after he recovered that fumble, I love the play call to go back to him and throw it to him for that touchdown. That run he had after the catch was um, pretty amazing. So, yeah, he's really stepped in as the solid number two running back, and that's that really helps shore up our depth uh, there. Sharon Peak is not just blocking; he's really catching the ball better now. And I've I've continued to say this throughout the season. Like, listen, this guy's battled injuries. He's not going to be your typical fifth-year, uh, you know, senior uh, wide receiver just because he hasn't had the reps and, and the playing time. But you're starting to see his talent, uh, you know, really uh, come out, and he's improving from game to game, and he's a weapon. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I was kind of down on him at, at one point, but he, you're seeing him high point the ball more. You're seeing him looking like an animal blocking um, in the run game or on the screen pass game. And Zach Brooks, how does this guy who, you know, coming off an ACL injury, like gain a step? I guess, I mean, that probably goes to the fact that he's probably working his butt off and uh, rehabbing in the, in the weight room. So, yeah, you know, credit to him. And then, you know, one more note on Gallman is he's on pace to. Um, to break Raymond Priester's single-season rushing record. So, if, I, I, frankly, I'd like to see him get the ball a little bit less. I think he's taking a lot of hits, and um, I'd like to see maybe get Zach Brooks in there a little bit more. But that's, I mean, that says a lot about what we thought coming into the year was, you know, an average running core, maybe slightly above average, to be in another strong point for the team. Yeah, and the last area we were looking to be a factor this game was Jordan Leggett's play. He had one catch, not as many targets overall. Uh, but was a factor in the blocking game. I mean, I think this would be, if you had to criticize our offense in one area, instead of some of the design run plays, peeling Leggett out and try to get him the ball over the middle. I don't know how much they were giving us in that that zone of the field, but we'll see. I think he, he could be a key role player for us moving forward, especially in that Florida State game. Yeah, and I think especially in the red zone, I would for certain trade out a lot of Deshaun Watson's uh, keeps for some passes over the middle or some fades to Jordan Leggett because – you know, they, the announcers mention this every game. We've talked about this before, you know, going back to all the way last year um, uh, in spring ball. Uh, Jordan Leggett is a nightmare matchup for a lot of teams. So I think we really need to start exposing that and utilizing it more. I know we try to spread the ball around the field, but, you know, it could be one of those things where you, you know, take some runs off of Deshaun Watson's workload, uh, preserve his health, and give it well, to Jordan Leggett because if, he, he's mm-hmm. been solid. And if they have to account for him over the middle, what does that do for the rest of our talent on the outside as well? Yeah. So it's almost establishing that along with our run game. Keeps them honest, keeps one-on-one matchups, brings the safeties closer into the middle and into the box. And then you've got Deion Kane, Ray Ray McLeod, Sharon Peak on the outside. So 
again, offense, great performance. Let's continue to build on this, hopefully next week against Florida State. They are going to bring a better defensive scheme and, and look than NC State did here. It's going to be a bigger challenge, but I think what we've shown in recent weeks, you know, kind of blowing out Boston College, um, beating a um, talented, if not, you know, well-coached Miami team in this NC State game. Um, really good momentum there. We're going coming back to the Valley. I feel like these guys are going to be up for that game. Um, overall, just a really solid effort from Clemson. So happy to get the eighth win. Was by no means our our um, best win by style points, but you mentioned it, Ben. Like good, we also didn't have some some stunning wins happening elsewhere in the top five. There were a lot of buys. So uh, we'll take this one, survive in advance, to use an NC State phrasing, um, and we were eight zero. Before we get to some of the other action that happened in college football, let's quickly touch on what are our beverages this, this evening? Well, we're keeping it pretty basic tonight. It's just a new Belgium Ranger IPA, but in my opinion, one of the better kind of, you know, more common IPAs that are out there. I know you can get that widely on the East Coast. Um, yeah, pretty decent beer. Serviceable. Uh, cool. So, guys, what were, the, what were the highlight games that you saw elsewhere in the country? over the weekend well I didn't get to watch a whole lot but I mean can we talk a little bit about the Miami and Duke game that was that ending was unbelievable and the fact that the referees completely blew it and uh, and you know even after the fact they get suspended and I, I don't know why they don't just you know overturn the whole game and give it back to Duke but I mean, that was just you know referees aside that one play was unbelievable I I almost can't even and I don't want to be biased one way or the other against these teams, but I I can't treat it like a Georgia Tech finish, like a Michigan-Michigan State finish, or like a Cal-Stanford finish back in the day because it was because the guy was down and because there were tons of block-in-the-back calls that were not, not called. Um, all those other plays were seemingly clean. And this was, yeah, this was basically the wrong result happened and came out of this. Yeah, well, and it sucks for Duke, too, because they've, they've been kind of having a, a somewhat of a, another dream season and really building off the momentum they've had in recent years. And, you know, with, with Pitt losing uh, to North Carolina, they're really sitting in the driver's seat of the ACC uh, Coastal. Um, so for them to go down like this, I mean, just at, an home at, too. Yeah, at home, absolutely heartbreaking loss. I'm shocked that Miami actually came out with any fight whatsoever. Um, after them see them just kind of laid down and played dead uh, against us last week. So, yeah, it, it, it sucks for Duke. I, I don't know. It, it is an interesting question of uh, can you give a game to a team after the fact? You know, all the evidence is there to prove that they should have won, uh, that being Duke. Um, but, but I don't know. That, that's Well, in, in the NCAA bylaws or what have you, they say that an egregious error in judgment or in no call or call or what have you could be used as a reason to overturn a result or bring them back out in the field to play more minutes. I feel like that happened once in an NFL game where they had to come back out like 15, 20 minutes late and finish like the last game. I think it was something like, oh, we're adding 15 seconds onto this game, not to bring this game back and overturn a result. Right. I want to go back to that egregious error, quote unquote. Um, they were given the chance to review this. Like they had, they had a nine-minute review process. I feel like you can say egregious error if that didn't exist or that if that didn't really happen. Let's just say like they ran it back and this was never reviewed. And then after the fact, right? Then I would say like, yeah, this is open to 
further and examination. It's something that's easy to miss. Yeah, in the, in the moment. So I, th- I just think the fact that they, who knows who was reviewing that there, and I, I think they got the result wrong. It also seems like they were actually interpreting the penalty, not whether or not he was down also. So, and that's like, you're not, you're basically not allowed to review a, a penalty or a flag. It has to be more related to like possession or forward progress or were they down, et cetera. So anyway, wrong result there. Sucks if you're a Duke fan. I, it's not going to have major implications other than the fact that Miami is still alive in the coastal and um, they're, you know, if, if things break their way, if they get a new life and rejuvenated under their interim coach, we could see them again in Charlotte a month bring, from now. Bring it on. <laughs> so I think generally we would welcome that. Um, elsewhere, I feel like across the board nationally, the real compelling games this weekend were in the ACC. Um, that Oklahoma State-Texas Tech barn burner was pretty fun to watch, kind of adjacent to our game. But um, Florida State-Syracuse in the morning, this thing was pretty boring from the start. But it was it was interesting to watch. Like They sat Dalvin Cook. They sat Everett Golson. Who knows if the latter was based on them wanting to rest him. I think that's most of it. But also just wanting to give Sean McGuire some reps and give a new look at a quarterback to see if what he could do. And he seemed to take that opportunity and run with it. Yeah, and he played well in this game, and he beat us last year um, in, uh, in Tallahassee. So, uh, yeah, I was interested. I turned on the game, and I had heard no chatter about Golson whatsoever. I turned on the game, only see Sean McGuire in there. So that was kind of interesting to me. I mean, Syracuse did keep it close uh, early on. I believe they scored first. Um, but yep. eventually, you know, Florida State, you know, really taking it to him, which as well they should against a Syracuse team. Uh, you know, they're playing at home. Syracuse has no business being anywhere close to being in that game. So I don't really take much from this other than the Sean McGuire, Everett Golson thing. That is a little curious to me. But, um, yeah, it's bring it on. Get ready for next week. Well, Florida State flashed some of their wide receiver athletic talent, too, yeah. and the depth that they've got there. So, um not sure how they looked on defense against Syracuse. Um, I don't know how to calibrate that performance, but you know they, they can score. They can put up points, and I'm hoping that based on what we saw in Raleigh, um, our defense can bounce back, respond, and find a way to contain some of these athletes. Yeah, I think this goes to show the FSU, what happened against Georgia Tech was more of a, that was an outlier. I think they're a quality team. We're going we're gonna to have our hands full. Like you said, their wide receivers are something to watch out for. That's a, that's a matchup that we'll definitely be dialed into. Uh, another big game going on, Notre Dame traveled into Temple. This was the site of um, ESPN game day. This was a very exciting game. A um, little bit ugly at times. There were a bunch of turnovers. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser threw a couple of untimely picks. Um, Temple just seemed to have that sort of underdog fight the entire game. But ultimately, Notre Dame prevailed 23-20. to 20. Um, I don't think Temple dropped too much in any of the polls. Probably rightfully so. I think Notre Dame was a better team. Um, they, had, they definitely had the athletes to win this one. But uh, Temple hung with them. But they now have a loss in the um, American Conference. So what this means, I guess, for ND is that you know they play at Pitt this coming week. They've got a couple of other games. And then they end the season at Stanford who also beat Washington State in kind of unceremonious fashion. They probably should have lost to Wazoo. um, Wazoo was about to kick either a tying or a game-winning field goal at the very end, and that kicker had hit five field goals and missed his sixth, uh, which sucks for him. But ultimately, we're we're getting to the point where it could be a one-loss Notre Dame against a one-loss Stanford. That could be a playoff elimination game or sort of a 
at least get into the conversation for sneaking into that playoff. Which could possibly bring a rematch between Clemson-Notre Dame. That would be that'd be interesting. I, I'd take that rematch. I think we've gotten better, and I think I felt like we were pretty comfortable during that Notre Dame game in, ter- in terms of how we matched up with them. Uh, question for you guys. like Stanford seems to get more credit than any other team I've ever seen. You know, having a one-loss one record, I don't know what it is. They're, they're, they're right there, always in the conversation, and compared to them to like a Duke team that gets absolutely no credit, I don't know. Well, you guys just get that. They have, a Heisman, they have a Heisman candidate in McCaffrey. They have a senior quarterback in Hogan. They're very defense first, kind of NFL caliber. They, they play like a Big Ten team, basically. And I think also it's track record from the Harbaugh days and the Andrew Luck days. It's just a brand thing. They have a history, and people yeah. don't take, yeah, people are not going to take Duke football as seriously as they are Stanford. I mean, Duke right. football has a couple good years. Everybody's going to be like, okay, well, that was bound to happen. You're starting to see uh, David Cutcliffe and Duke now actually have a sustained run. Um, but, but talk to me when Duke wins multiple Rose Bowls yeah. and goes to multiple BCS games like Stanford has and has won Win, them. Wins a conference championship. Right. So, again, like not this isn't crap on Duke time. It's, you know, no, no, I think Stanford. And, and kudos to them for right. actually being decent and yeah. being one of the best teams in the ACC Coastal. I don't think that's hard to do right now. But, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think Stanford's kind of in their seat at the table. The other thing is Pac-12 is dying for someone to step up and win that conference. Oregon is down this year in a major way. It could have been Utah, but they they got blown out by USC. Probably not USC. They've got coaching issues. So yeah, well, you know, guess, it's a brand thing for the Pac-12 too. I guess you're right. It's probably from a business standpoint. They Like you said, they needed one of those teams to emerge. It hasn't been USC. It hasn't been Oregon this year. Why not Stanford? You know, it's a good market. Um, the flip side of that is Clemson has been getting a lot of credit from the national media, particularly ESPN, who will be hosting the college football playoff. So I, I look at the way that all of a sudden they're covering. You go to the college football page on ESPN, you see so much Clemson, uh, so many stories. You see a, a Grantland article about Dabo. I feel like they're, they're on board with Clemson, but I think there's a little bit of a business component to that too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think ESPN is going through some turmoil right now with – um, some of the hype that they're giving to the SEC, and I think they're reevaluating a lot of their stuff. They shut down Grantland this week, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, they announced that on Friday. So I think, yeah, the network's going through some difficult time, and I imagine just the overall hype. People are just sick of well, and, the SEC. Yeah, and they put so much stock in it, and they overhype them, and they're trying to spoon-feed us this crap, and, and we're, not, we're not buying it. I mean, I mean, look at the teams that they have in there. I mean, they, they, they rank all these teams highly. Like, they had Auburn winning the national championship. So, I mean, tell me what – I mean, yeah, you lose a lot of credibility when it comes to that. And, you know, speaking of SEC teams, they're starting to creep their way back into the top 25 with, uh, you know, Texas A&M somehow. They, they claw their way back in. They're 6-2 they're and two on the year, which is a decent record. But they only beat South Carolina by seven points. I mean, it's not a good win. South right. Carolina is not a good team. They're actually a very bad team. So, uh, yeah, I don't really – put any stock in any of this well and there so there's sort of two ways this playoff situation and end of season can break there's still a lot of football to be played in that sec west um the sec east is all but locked up with florida one loss um they beat georgia in jacksonville this week and they basically get vanderbilt and then florida state um they've got a buy in there too so um florida could be a one loss team going into that title game then on the west side you could have undefeated lsu you could have a one loss lsu you could have a one-loss Ole Miss be the turd in the punch bowl two of the loss. SEC. I'm sorry, two-loss, but one loss in the conference. Yeah. And then um, Alabama's there, too. So 
there could be a world where you got two one loss or an undefeated and a one loss team in that SEC title game. Any of them get through, you know, chances are pretty good that the playoff committee is not going to leave them out. So things could, again, if Ole Miss emerges from that West unscathed um, and they're able to beat LSU and not lose any more games, um, that could be that that could be it. And then if yeah, two losses from them, maybe Florida loses the FSU. I think that could be that could doom the SEC from a playoff berth. That would be such a great scenario for the for Clemson, the ACC, and to, for the only the second year into the whole playoff thing, and they're coming in hot and heavy last year during the first year. Be like, oh, the SEC, they're gonna put two teams in. We're gonna get two SEC teams in. It's, right. You know, before long, it's gonna happen. And I mean, we saw the Big Twelve get blanked last year, mostly as an indictment of their conference and not having a championship game and being able to produce a. It's so ironic because their slogan last year was one true champion. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, they've, they've shown in the past willingness to not let an entire conference in, even if they've got impressive-looking teams. So, Well, one's got to be left out, um, although I really find it hard to believe that it won't be the Pac-12. Yeah, again, Stanford's their only hope at this point, unless you know Utah can pull some shenanigans. So. Well, and you're possibly looking at, if Notre Dame runs the table beating Stanford, you're possibly looking at Pac-12 and SEC left out. I mean, two of the top five, or two of the five power conferences being left out because, you know, essentially have an ACC team, a Big Ten team, which is weak, which is all kind of weird when you think about it. Um, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. And probably Big 12. And Big 12. Yeah. Yeah, who got, you know, left out of it last year, so... Really interesting things going on in college football right now. Yeah, and we get the first um, committee ratings of the year coming out Tuesday, so we'll see who they how they lay out the pecking order there. Um, I think with you know an inactive slate of our contemporaries in the top ten, by and large, Clemson's win. Granted, it wasn't the most beautiful victory of our our year, but I I believe we'll probably be in the top four. Some are even slating us as, at number one. I would be surprised, frankly, if we're not one or two, just because I think the committee does a great job stripping the, the name of uh, the team from your chest and also not taking into account last year, talking about Ohio State. Uh, so I think with just merit alone, being objective, who have you played, how have you beaten them, or did you beat them, um, what, what did the game look like, you know, a little bit of the eye test. I think Clemson, I'd be, I can't think of a team. Maybe Baylor, maybe Ohio State, probably not. Uh, that looks better. So, again, I'd be surprised if they're not one or two. Absolutely, and you know, again, they're not giving out trophies in early November. You know, we got a we've got our most important game of the season coming up this coming Saturday. Good point. Um, and of course, for our preview episode, we will take the time to discuss kind of where where the dust settled on that first playoff committee rankings, um, as well as look ahead to that important matchup with FSU. So, with that, guys, we will you will hear from us midweek. Appreciate the listens. Again, tell a friend, throw us a rating on iTunes. And uh, thanks again for the listen. Go Tigers.